Buried is produced and distributed by KETR.org and is presented uninterrupted thanks to the support of its fans and listeners. Become a supporter today when you visit KETR.org and click donate. In 2017, the public radio station in Northeast Texas tasked me with answering a question. How is it possible for someone to go missing and for law enforcement not to know about it for nearly two decades? At the end of the day, that's why this podcast exists, and that's its objective, answering this particular question. I expected that asking this question might upset people who are once cops, people whose responsibility it was to take a missing person report or to investigate it. I mean back then, in the 1990s. But I expected those in law enforcement now, people investigating Carrie Mae Parker's disappearance in particular, to welcome some attention on a very cold case. They didn't. From KETR Public Radio in Northeast Texas, I'm George Hale and this is Buried, a podcast and investigative series about the 1991 disappearance of Carrie Mae Parker and about the people in charge of looking for her. Carrie May Parker. It's a long time ago. Before we get into it, let me remind you of a few names. Howard Parker is Carrie's father. He died in 2015 without speaking to investigators. But before he died, Howard told his children and grandchildren that he filed a missing person report about Carrie with a local constable named Cullen Smith. Smith died in 2008, so we can't ask him anything either. Her father was Howard Parker, who was a fireman volunteer fireman and he was friends with Cullen he says anyway um, in 1991 she went missing Carrie did his daughter Um, and this family has been looking for her ever since you know so one day in July 2017 I met up with his widow do you know what CRS is well that's my disease I can't remember stuff (laughs) that's okay (laughs) Margaret Smith is a remarkable woman who deserves way more of your time than the limited space available in this episode. So, look forward to hearing from her soon. Well, what I heard, but you know, he he knew lots of stuff, but a lot of it he wouldn't tell me. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of it he couldn't tell me. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes he'd share stuff with me, but not a whole lot. It was uh <laughs> it he didn't want much to do with the other law enforcement I think officers. Yeah. Because he couldn't trust them. Yeah. She told me that the person you're going to hear from next is way more likely to have information that Cullen might have known. 
She told me to track down his deputy constable, Jim Davenport, who is still living in Northeast Texas. Jim Davenport is a good, good guy. She also helped fill up my car with documents that once belonged to her late husband. I hauled these off and started looking for Jim Davenport. Davenport jumped at the opportunity to discuss Carrie Parker's case and go over what might be in his old boss's files. We met up at a cafe in Greenville, the seat of Hunt County. Thanks a lot for coming all the way down here. Yes, sir. You piqued some curiosity. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody is curious because not everyone is uh, that interested in talking about this stuff. Yes, sir. I quickly realized he had as many questions for me as I did for him. You said you had some papers from... I got a whole truck full of them, so I don't know if okay. here's the best place or what, or maybe I just tell you what it is to start and some other... Yeah. I also noticed pretty quickly that he and I had different approaches to handling information. One of the more remarkable aspects of working on this case is that only a handful of people have ever asked me to keep anything a secret. I've of course done so anytime there was an agreement up front, but I don't mind sharing that even in those few cases, I don't think anything anyone has told me in confidence was that big of a deal. The big deal stuff has generally been on the record into a microphone. That's why I don't get too paranoid talking about this in public. I just don't have that many secrets to keep. But speaking to Davenport made me realize that others have quite a different approach. Very early on in our conversation, he pointed out a couple of lawyers at a nearby table. Again, nothing that seemed important to me, but he thought so. There's several folks here that are lawyers that you, of course, you're not going to know who they are. No. Some of my will, some of them, as it comes to, we may have changed subject right quick. <laughs> you just say the word but uh i've been pretty open about talking about this anyway just sure. it's been so long and uh and a lot of people have been just so unwilling to talk about it um that i'll kind of take what i can get to be honest with you you know what i mean i understand it's been kind of shocking to me the level of i don't know uh, so anyway when were you started you were at the columns deputy right back yes. then Cullen and i started out with the sheriff's office back in the lawyer. The woman's a lawyer. Uh, just background info, we started together at the sheriff's office back in the 80s. Uh, Cullen went on to become constable in Quinlan area. I was constable in Hunt County, or the North Park County for several years. Okay. And, and then we worked together at different departments for years and years. Now, I, uh, as life goes on, I became, went to work for Cullen in uh, 2005-ish, 2003-2005, I have to look up the exact date. Oh, so a long time after this. Yes, and then I worked for him uh, up through uh, after he passed. Mm-hmm. Kyle and I worked together off and on for years and years. Okay. So, um, do you remember that name at all? Sir? Do you remember that name at all? I remember it. Okay. From when? From, well, there's a lot of this I can't talk about, especially with people sitting in the Jason table. Uh, it's some of the other folks that were around, some of the friends and so forth. Uh, we covered a lot of the same, same ground. Eventually, Davenport asked me if we could change locations. Somewhere more private. I agreed. We eventually drove over to the city hospital. It was on this ride that Davenport got a look at the boxes of files in my car. The ones from Margaret Smith, Cullen Smith's widow. Uh, and then Cullen uh, confided in me some of the things he was working on. Uh-huh. Not all of it. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep it compartmentalized, so he did. Nothing yeah. gets out. Yeah. 
and uh, it was a case he was working on. And uh, well, let's let's say that when he passed, it was very inconvenient because something was going to come to a head about that time with the information that he had about this. You think? Yes. All right. That's unfortunate. And when we got there, he directed me to the hospital chapel, a silent, dimly lit room that would have been perfect if this was a movie or something. Where were we? Do so you remember her from back then or from now? From back then. And, you know, keeping tabs over the years. Yeah. Because some things, some things that just were at you, you got to keep in the back of your mind and, and, and grab bits and pieces as it comes from. Yeah. As you, as you get. But do you know, do you remember when the first time you heard about it was? I'd heard about it in, during the 80s. I think she didn't go missing until 91 or so. Right. Um, where, do you th- do you, where do you think the information is about this case? Like, uh, where would he have kept that? Some of it you, you picked up from, from her. Yeah. Some I have. Uh, may or may not jive with what you have. And I don't know what all you got from Margaret. I could show you, but yeah, it's, uh, it's nothing clear to me. There's lots of newspapers that seem to be helpful for context, but mm-hmm. uh, there's no case files or, you know what I mean? There's nothing let's clear the air a little bit what to bring each other up to date yeah sure what is what information do you have and and how does this bring uh the occurrence and and so on and so forth where can i begin okay so and i understand you want to protect your sources as you can yeah but i don't really have a lot of confidential sources you know so that you're in luck (laughs) all these people are they're if they weren't talking to me i feel like that they would find someone to or well People who have agreed to talk to me are people who seem to want to talk. The ones who, you know what I mean? So I don't have a lot of people who don't want. Sure. So anyway. It was also here that I asked if I could get him to answer more questions now that we were in a better environment for sound. He seemed hesitant to discuss anything in detail while I was recording, so I offered to stop altogether. He didn't tell me anything super secret during this time. In fact, we never agreed to discuss anything on background or off the record. It just wasn't that kind of conversation. So that's not why I mentioned it. Well, you can feel assured and rest assured, and your boss can rest assured that you've got a lot of good information. I think so. The reason I mentioned turning off the recorder is because it means you're not going to hear a few comments that are sort of crucial to understanding what was going to happen over the next couple of hours. It was when I mentioned something that I'd read in one of the interviews conducted by Jeff Haynes, the investigator on Carrie Parker's case. Again, I wasn't in cloak-and-dagger mode on this stuff. Davenport started asking me about where I got access to those files, and I would later learn that he told Haynes the night before about planning to meet with me in Greenville. Keep in mind that Haynes was someone I had not been able to reach up to that point. Even so, he knew that I was in touch with Davenport. I'm not going to get into detail about this, but one of the things I wasn't quote-unquote supposed to have was a copy of four interviews Haynes had conducted as part of this case. I already told you about the one with Cody, Carrie's ex-boyfriend. There's also one with Carrie's sister Patricia, their son Brian's dad, and then with her uncle. The information contained in these notes has been of questionable accuracy. I've definitely consulted them throughout my reporting, but they're hardly a guide to this story. We can talk while we're getting out unless there's something... I was going to see well, what yeah. papers you might have made copies of. Oh, for Colin? I haven't made any copies yet, but I have them, all the originals. Okay. Um, I can definitely share it. I mean, I'll... Yes, I would request anything you could, could share with us. I Look, if I had a... If I had some secret to keep, I would keep it, but I don't. Anyway, after Davenport and I wrapped up our conversation, the latter part unrecorded per his request, we got back into our own vehicles to meet up with Emma, my fellow producer who performed all sorts of research for this project. 
For that reason, she was also eager to look at the files, and all three of us got ready to meet up. So, I was driving on the way to meet Emma to go over Cullen's files when things got weirder. Davenport and I were traveling in separate cars, and he pulled in front of mine so I'd stop. Jim walked over to the window and told me that Sergeant Jeff Haynes wanted to meet with us. Like, now. I'd been trying for weeks to get a hold of him, so I didn't think twice. I should have. Just be up front and honest about it. I record all my interviews, especially when they're involved in cold cases. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. What was your name, sir? George Hill. Please. I left two messages about I was on vacation, and then I was out sick for a couple of days with upper respiratory stuff, so. And then I had about five other calls from media and stuff that went on while I was down. Haynes is the detective tasked with investigating Carrie Parker's disappearance. He's also the media representative for the sheriff's office, and he heads its Department of Internal Affairs. Three big jobs, and they were all about to intersect in an interrogation room inside the sheriff's office. He knew it. And Jim knew it. Same for Roger Seals, a Hunt County lieutenant who joined us. The only person who didn't know what was about to happen was me. Yeah, uh, Taylor called me last night. Uh, he got my number from, from Margaret Smith. Who's Margaret Smith? Coach Smith's wife. Oh, okay. Called and him. he called me, and that's why I immediately called you last night. Haynes was sitting across from me at a desk. To my left was Jim, the one who I was just beginning to learn had informed Haynes that I had some of his interview summaries. I walked in fully expecting to finally talk about Carrie Parker with the investigator on her case. And we did. Just not right away. Had I known what we were going to talk about first, I would have brought a lawyer or insisted on meeting elsewhere. But that's not how ambushes work. All right, Jim says uh, you have a lot of information, and some of it's mine, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm curious how you obtained. Now, of course, I don't even know what you got, so the four is yours. Mr. Hale. I know that you interviewed Cody Songer in uh, Oklahoma. That was you, right? Jeff Haynes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I'll start with things I know about you because it's only four interviews. Uh, Robert Parker and then Guadalupe Galan and Patricia are the four people that you've interviewed that I have documentation from. And how did you obtain the documentation since this is an open case and it's restricted? Uh, with total respect, I would just rather not say, um, but I certainly didn't obtain it by any illegal means or anything like that. Okay. Uh, it was given to me. That's uh, by someone who's familiar with the case. Patricia? Nope. Believe it or not, she gave me almost everything else, including the emails from you, actually, but those were her property. <laughs> they were her emails. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no matter what we discussed, and the conversation went in numerous directions that day, but it always returned to the same place the files. So you have my notes from my interview from Patricia. Mm-hmm. So you probably understand why. Oh, I understand. I spent many hours with Patricia. I understand why a lot of people have a really hard time, you know, communicating. No, but if you read my summary, um, then you understand my skepticism on things that she says. Because, well, no, I don't actually. Because why? She said that, you're talking about the her, me- her memory about her father and stuff. And lots of things. I don't have I don't have your case file or anything like that. I have some notes. You know. I, I'm talking. Jim told me you had the report that I filed on 
Uh, Patricia, when I did my interview with Patricia. I, I don't know what you actually call it in your terminology, but I'd be happy to show you. Supplement report. Okay, I think that's what it said, yeah. It mentioned like... Uh, Can I, do you mind if I see it? I would tell you, but I don't have it on me. I think it's in my home in Dallas, but uh, otherwise I'd be happy to. It's a piece of paper. Do you have the other supplement uh, about Cody Songer? No, you? I have four of them that aren't with me. All I have oh, with okay. me is my letters that are to other people. Okay. This was a little confusing. I didn't know I had nearly the entire case file at the time. Four out of five interviews that I know of. A cold case like this shouldn't fit into a manila folder, but this one did. So that's what was going on here. But, uh, like I said, I, and like I told him, that this information isn't because I have some antagonistic relationship. I'm happy to hand it to you. No, no, I'm not taking yeah. it that way. Please yeah, understand. Yeah. I'm not taking it that yeah. way. Yes, there is some differences of opinion. Oh, between you two. Yeah. Between Patricia and I. Um, that's why case files are typically confidential, so it doesn't compromise the integrity of an investigation, right. especially in a cold case as you go along. Because if that stuff was to be made public, then that would lose. Right. Uh, if you're a card player, I'm losing my Trump card. I understand that, yeah. No, and, like, and especially uh, with my interview with Cody Songer. Yeah. Um, I had a lengthy interview, I uh, especially uh, working with local law enforcement up there that knowing and spending several hours waiting for him to get off work and, and talking to some people. Yeah. No, it's chit chatting. And so I kind of had a good feel for what he was like. Yeah. Uh, we talked about a lot more than what I've condensed into this episode. So we're going to release an extended version of that interview after this one comes out. You'll see that it wasn't only about those files. And most of the time, we were getting along as well as possible under the circumstances. I'm willing to have a dialogue. So whatever you're, whatever yeah, sure. you're hearing, I'm, I'm willing. I'm all ears. Yeah, no, I'm... Uh, I mean, it's like 22 years for this case to get reported. My opinion myself is that, like... This the secrecy about all of this that's hurting the case, you know. No, I don't mean your case file, obviously. I'm sure that's secret for a reason. But I mean all these people who won't talk about it, you know. Um, I can make a list of them. Um, it was, it's been a lot of misinformation and a lot of misdirection and a lot of rumors and innuendos. Yeah. So when Jim said, tell him everything you know, I, I, I'm all ears. Sure. I'm the only person that, in my mind, that has been very forthcoming and articulable that it's Cody Songer, and that's pretty sad because he was my primary person of interest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah. that's the person that I've got the most information out of. Yeah. Ex- with the exception of my interview with Patricia Gager. Yeah. And after, ever since that interview, she will not cooperate. Yeah. She's not cool with the hypnosis thing, I understand. It was a lot of other things, but that's what I said, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's just a tool. That I mean, I wasn't even going to do it. It was a Lieutenant Texas Ranger right. that's highly recognized across the state for that. And it, it's just a tool to explain what that is. It's just a tool for memory recollection. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Like it I, may work. It may not. It's like yeah. running a license plate on the computer. So don't please don't be hesitant and don't be intimidated or anything. I, I get the lieutenant in here because he's over CID. Yeah, so sure. So all the cases... Yeah, I want his opinion on things. Yeah, yeah, the more and, like, yeah. yeah, he has. We're really not. We don't have any reason to keep any of this. Like, uh, we don't even really have confidential sources. I mean, I, mean, I well, you got a confidential source somewhere if you got my case file on an open yeah. case. We returned to this topic continuously, and I believe the primary purpose of asking me to visit was to try to discover the source of those files. I don't want to make too big of a deal out of this, but just so we're on the same page, whatever skills or experience one has as a journalist are irrelevant if sources can't trust you. And the person who gave me those files shortly after I started working on this project had concerns about being connected to them. I promised to leave this person's name out of it, and that's what I've tried to do. 
the one only thing I don't want to talk about is where I got four things from Mr. Uh, Haynes. But other than that, that's on all, you know. I'm not offended by <laughs> it because, honestly, I stand by my reports. Cause sure. My reports are what's, what I interview and what I see and what, it, you know, yeah. what I learn. Yeah. So you know, all my reports can be backed up on the videos. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. So, um, I really wish I had that. I'm just kind of curious where our leak is, and you know, and especially on a case that's as high profile as this. That that, and I respect your position as a reporter and your First Amendment rights. Right. I fully get that. Yeah. And I respect that. But yeah. let's get back to right. you know, some of the things you know. Because that is the only thing I don't want to talk about. Otherwise, I'm. A few things for the record, though. Neither of us did anything wrong. For me, this is my literal job. I'm not even remotely sorry for doing it, and the only regret I have about what you're about to hear is that I didn't stand up and walk out. As for where I got the files, this person was authorized to receive them and authorized to give them to me. Totally legal, above board. I'm not allowed to obtain information by illegal means even if I wanted to, so that was never a possibility. However, that didn't stop Haynes and others from later claiming we'd done something wrong, and eventually he would vaguely accuse me of criminality totally baseless accusations that didn't accomplish anything but waste a lot of time. I should also note that Sergeant Haynes has since apologized for some of the things you're about to hear him say. I interpreted some of them as at least mildly threatening, but you can draw your own conclusions. I of course accepted his apology and am ready and willing to meet for a second time to discuss the investigation if that's something he's willing to do. In the meantime, this is the only audio of an interview with the officer on Carrie's case, so that's why you're getting this dressed-up security footage instead of a calm conversation recorded with one of KETR's nice microphones. The gentleman called me last night just before I called you, and right. he already talked to uh, Art Cullen's wife, Margaret, mm-hmm. and he's obtained a, a stack of full paperwork from yeah. Cullen's old files, old personal files. Yeah. That, that uh, supposedly were lost and couldn't be found? Well, mm-hmm. whatever. That Cullen kept a lot of stuff, even when I worked for him, kept stuff close to the, the vest. He only, right. only released bits and pieces. And just before he passed... Uh, he related cases, bits and pieces of this case that he was wor- the Carrie's case that he was working on. Not all of it, but bits and pieces of it. And he did have a file that I saw one day that he opened and, and showed and closed it back up. I didn't see all the details. We're trying to accumulate. This is just shortly before he passed, uh, October of 2008. Right. Um, so whether that information is in the office, whether a file in that office, I don't know. Now, we had talked about once before about you trying to get the files and stuff, and yep. then you came up empty-handed after you spoke with Ms. Smith. Well, this is... She didn't know they were there. And he, he's going to... He has a hotel trailer on the place that he keeps all kinds of stuff in. Yeah. And uh, okay. she thought they were gone serious. I'm sure she was being honest. Was no, I wouldn't say she was fine. I just no, no, right. I she was she had had a lawyer. She had things she doesn't know she realized she had. That's what happened, yeah. Because... Uh, yeah. I figured they got lost to weather or they were stored out in the shed or something and got destroyed. Well, he has uh, related to me and showed me the back of his Jeep out, which out here in the parking lot. Yeah. Stacks and stacks and stacks of documents that were recovered from that storage room. He doesn't even know what all he has. Right. And I don't know if you even looked at it yet. So, I mean, I, that stuff I took was stuff that wasn't wrestling magazines, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so with the intention of copying it and making it available to anyone who needs it, Within reason. I'd be real interested in anything you've got on Carrie Parker. If I see a single word of it, you'll be the first to know, but I haven't. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I really, really would. No, I, yeah. Because um, this case is probably one of the, the most, well, it is the most frustrating case I've ever worked. It is an unbelievable story. 
But you have no idea. <laughs> but, uh, well, to be honest with you, there's not much to the case file. I assume it, is, yeah. it took them 22 years to report her missing. Well, that's the first issue. That that's one of the things that's that one of the things they're making Cohen's notes. Yeah. Uh, there may very well be a. But uh, then why didn't Cohen put her in uh, the database? TCS and NCS is a missing person. That mess didn't necessarily all exist at that time. And, he, and there again, Cohen kept everything close to the vest, and. It may have been he said, she said, just make an information report that never got passed down the line. I don't know. That's what I'm interested in see what he has. Yeah. I'll caveat there then I'll. Haynes seemed confused by Davenport's belief that Smith was investigating Carrie's disappearance. That's not what constables do, and Smith should have passed any missing person report to the sheriff's office. My my biggest issue, uh, George, with all due respect, and I told you how I appreciate what you do, and I appreciate that, is. Where's our information getting leaked from? Yeah. And why is the integrity of the case been compromised? Yeah, I understand. Because if that information was to get out, and I can't tell you what to report. And no. I'm not going to. I'm not even going to pretend. But, but if that information was to get out, it could compromise right. um, several persons of interest in this sure. case. But yeah, you should definitely know that you were going to get those back from me anyway, whether he told you or not, because... We're not going to publish anything without at least running it past you if it's sensitive, you know. So um, I would definitely. Well, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but if you did, it would be illegal because it's case sensitive file and evidentiary. Right. But I'm not going to. I don't want to go <laughs> well, on that road. It's just whether it's illegal or not. Got to worry about. Yeah. It, this debatable. That's for attorneys and people right. like that to argue down the road and yeah. it makes more money than I do. But. <laughs> Haslett is the news director at KETR. He's a veteran journalist and exactly who you want to call after a conversation like that. We started strategizing on how to handle this conflict in a way that shows respect for the sheriff as well as ourselves and our sources. But first, I wanted to tell him that if what Jim Davenport was saying was true, Cullen Smith really did know about Carrie's case. One of the most repeated claims is that Carrie's family never reported her missing. It's a pretty big deal if the constable took a report that never reached the sheriff. Yo. Um, okay, I just have kind of a big update, but it shouldn't take forever. Um, so, I told you about how I was going to meet the deputy, um, of that guy, Colin Smith. Yeah. So, I met him, um, in Greenville, um, yeah. and he told me that it's absolutely true that that family reported her missing to Colin Smith at the time. At the time, okay. Yeah. Um, he said that there's a file on it, he's seen it. Um, Colin had it, you know, this is no myth or whatever. But anyway, he he basically asked me questions for like half an hour, like an hour or something. It got kind yeah. of weird, and I was like, well, you know, I talked to my boss about talking to the police before, and he basically said, you know, that we should just tell what we know because we're all trying to work to the same end or whatever, and then they don't really have any secret sources or anything, you know, so he wanted to then see the files they have on Colin, you know. But we got in our separate cars to go somewhere else to look at them, and he just pulled over to the side of the road, and so I pulled over behind him, and he said, hey, George, uh, can we go to the Hunt County Sheriff's Office instead, because Jim Haynes, or sorry, Jeff Haynes wants to speak to you right now. Jeff Haynes? Yeah, the detective. Okay. Uh, so I okay. went there. So I went to the Jeff Haynes' office. There was one problem, though, and I told him I, I, I would have to talk to you about this first, and I... 
I don't feel comfortable about the whole situation, but remember how I have four different interviews that he conducted, like with Cody? And, uh, yeah. anyway, he was like, I need to know how you have those. And I basically just said, like, well, I, you know, I, I said I'm happy to share everything I, you know, I know and even the content, you know, whatever. And, but I really don't want to get into that sort of thing, you know? Like, right. And it was just kind of awkward. I mean, it was like a, you don't understand how dangerous this is, that information out there, compromising the best. You know, he went on like a long thing. Yeah. I just respectfully said I really needed to think about it and that probably I, I wouldn't tell him, you know. Um, yeah. He, he said, you know, like, I'm not going to like threaten you or anything, but at one point he did say something like airing that stuff is illegal. I don't know. It was a... But anyway, I just thought you should know that right off the bat. Yeah. Well, you know, it sounds to me like Ains should just chill out and move on with life. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. because, I mean, you've obviously talked to lots and lots and lots of people about this. Yeah. And the thing I think for Haynes, why he's so worried, and I wish there was a way, and maybe there is a way to reassure him, I think he's afraid of, like, somebody in his, in his office leaking information, you know? Well, that's, that's legitimate, so I think that you can meet him halfway and just say, I mean, you know, just, I mean, I I definitely think that even if we don't want to tell him everything or things that he doesn't have any need to know, I think it's definitely useful for us to be truthful and forthright uh, yeah. in all of our dealings yeah. with law enforcement. So I would, I would just be, I would suggest... Um, calling him tomorrow and to say, look, um, I, I, I want to reassure, I, I suspect that you're concerned about a current or former uh, law enforcement uh, official uh, leaking, uh, you know, sharing uh, files yeah. uh, that, that, uh, that, they, that they should not be sharing. So I can promise you that the person who gave me these interviews is not a current or former employee of any public agency. Okay. And that should be enough to reassure him that it was somebody that... Because here's the deal. I, I want I want him to be happy with us. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to be bullied into doing something that we're not obligated to do. Yeah. Um, it, it would make me feel like he would be getting the best of both worlds if we could just say, look, um, these these were obtained legally. Uh, I'm just nervous about closing the door to receiving further information that way if we need it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I understand. Especially especially because it's, el- it's, it's legal and above board, and you know what I mean? Like, there's no... Right. Um, right. Okay. Uh, just plan on coming up here on uh, Wednesday. Okay, cool. Yeah. We can talk about it with Jared, and um, I have an obligation just to let Jared know what's going on. Yeah. And he'll probably want to ask you directly. So I I don't think this is any cause to panic. I'm sorry, what aspect of it seems to disturb him the most? The, you know, it's the the fact that information that is in a sealed file, that even a even a freedom of information act request cannot get, it still somehow escapes his office. Right. Um, right. You know, 
And he said, too, that, uh, and, and I told him, too, is I said, well, we were always going to bring this to you. I was always going to tell you that it had, right. you know, and I, and I said that the, the issue is never that, you know, we're just going to go and, and run this stuff on the, put it on the air without consulting you or whatever. Like, uh, you know, you tell me. Right, right, right. I was, I told him that I was willing to do basically anything at all that he needed me to do other than just tell him how I had this tape, you know what I mean? It's just, right. Well, you know, I mean, the whole the whole purpose of, you know, everything we do around here, whether it's news or whatever, is to serve the public interest. Right. So obviously, we're not going to, you know, publish something that would compromise an active law enforcement uh, investigation. Right. Um, but uh, if there's a way that we can run with what we have, I am thinking at this point, I'm thinking that I definitely would like, my preference is, is for us to be able to do something with this. But at the same time, you know, if there's, if there's things that he wants kept secret, uh, I, in this case, actually don't have problems with that. Right, right. Um, as, as long as I'm convinced that there is an active investigation and he's not wanting to just put the lid on it because the sheriff's office looks lame. Yeah. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case here. He seems genuinely concerned about the credibility of the investigation in his defense. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, if, that's, if, that's, if that's the impression you got, I'm willing to trust that yeah. and give him the benefit of the doubt. So, um, but try to get up here kind of early on Wednesday okay. so we can strategize because, you know, we need to just kind of get Jared up to speed and let him know what's going on. Yeah. And we also, um, we also kind of need to know, to let everybody who's heard about this know that, you know, it's, it's been confirmed that there's an active investigation, so we all need to treat it as, as such rather than yeah. something that's, that's happened. I, I appreciate uh, you handling it uh, professionally. Um, I, 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 I'm sure you did the best uh, that you could have, or that anybody could have under the circumstances. So uh, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you did that. Sure. So that's the conversation we were having at KETR: how to mitigate the tensions, reassure the sheriff's office, maintain healthy communication. But a very different conversation seemed to be happening in Greenville. And it was only a week or so before things like this started happening. Mr. Hale. Yeah. Sergeant Haynes, how are you this morning? Hey, good morning. How's it going? Uh, it's going. Sheriff Meeks, uh, I was out last week. I ended up coming in with pneumonia, so I didn't get a chance to call you in the last week. I apologize. Oh, that's all right. It's been hectic anyway for me. Uh, Sheriff wanted me to call you and discuss with you the, uh, the leak as far as where the information came from in the reports. Right. I wonder if you would have a answer for us. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I really don't want to appear disrespectful by refusing to answer a detective's question, but just, you know, due to the nature of what we do, it's just not something I'm really able to discuss. Um. I'll let him know. Yeah, and I... I really don't mean, I don't know if there's any way to emphasize, you know, the, that uh, I don't mean any disrespect by that. It's not, you know. It's not a matter of respect. It's a matter of criminal offense. So I'll let the sheriff know. 
that you were in possession of evidence on an open case and refusing to give us the information. Um, right, okay. Well, jeopardize the integrity of the investigation and probably will the case. I'm, okay. Those are the ramifications of the actions that you've taken, so. I have not sought out any information from your office. I've received some, that's true, but. No, and we've not shared it either. We haven't published it either, so... I know you haven't, Mr. Hale, and I'm not trying to be difficult. This is, it hasn't been a good day, so forgive me if I come across wrong. No. Just, that was the, uh... That, that's the sheriff's perception on this matter. I, I... Okay. The fact that it, this could jeopardize a lot of cases is really, uh... not set well with him. Right. And that's why it's imperative that we find out who is leaking the information from the sheriff's office. Okay. And again, that could be strictly between you and I, and shared with the sheriff to determine if anything needs to be done internally. It's not something we're going to make public, obviously. Right. It's just something we need to know about what's going on in our own house. Yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from completely. Um, and I was telling, you know, I told Jim Davenport that I wish there was some way to reassure you guys that I don't have, you know, some kind of access to all of your cases or anything like that, but I really can't do that specifically without, you know, exposing the, the way that I have the information, so, um, anyway, you know, I, would you and Sheriff Meeks be willing to meet about this, uh, story in the first place? Because there's a lot to go over, and I think I can ha I have some information I think could really help you guys, too. Well, I have no doubt that you have information that will help me. Yeah. But I assure you, the sheriff's not very happy with his report getting out of his office. I can understand that. I understand that. And, you know, we're going to have to document this, and once this comes out, this case is shot. It'll never go to trial. Yeah, well, I mean, that's something that we were obviously willing and eager to discuss with everyone. We certainly don't want any different outcome than you do, I assume. Um because the integrity of the case has been compromised. Right. So, I mean, I'll I'll pass this on to the sheriff and, and see what his schedule's like. I don't know what his schedule's like. Okay. And um, we'll go from there. But uh, you need to be prepared to answer that question if you want, again, not trying to sound like a jackass, but if you want cooperation, it's a two-way street. I understand that, yeah. That's why things are kind of weird between us and the sheriff's office. But I want to point out once again that while we haven't met since that one time in Greenville, Sergeant Haynes has reached out to apologize. He says he's willing to do a real interview on our turf, here in the studio. I'm hopeful that'll happen before this podcast ends. I've got a lot to ask him. Anyway, we're going to talk to Cody in the next episode. Buried is produced by Emma Anderson and me. Its executive producer is Jared Knight. Brad Davis composed the original theme music. Our photographer is Brittany Greider. And podcast cover art is by Crystal Sid. For updates between episodes, follow Buried on Facebook, facebook.com slash buriedradio. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. And you can go to ketr.org slash buried for an always up-to-date list of episodes. 
On mobile devices, the fastest and most reliable way to receive notifications about new episodes is by subscribing to Buried on the free NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please feel free to get in touch with us at buried at ketr.org. Special thanks to Margaret Smith, Donna Smith, and Lisa Gunter. Thanks also to the Quinlan Senior Center and to the Quinlan Community Library and Museum. And thanks again to Christy Roundtree, Jeffrey Elmore, and Rhonda McKeehan. Buried is a production of 88.9 KETR, public radio for Northeast Texas. To support Buried and other programming, go to ketr.org and click the red Donate button. And thanks. Thanks.